I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. All right, Matt, back. Everything all right between us now? Yeah, well, it's been a, it's been a while. We've not done the pod for a while, have we? Do you know sometimes when you're in a relationship and uh, there's like a separation... <laughs> and, and issues rise when there isn't any. It just becomes a tension. Like, do yeah. they still care about me? Yeah, yeah. Has I, he been? Has he been hanging out with bearded Scottish men? And I have. Yeah, Although I mean, he hasn't got a beard, he shaved it. Is he? Oh, yeah, yeah. He doesn't look like the same man. It's weird, doesn't it? Yeah, you've known him a long while, and you've seen him. Yeah, you've well, seen well, him when head. he takes away because it's such a thick beard. When he takes that away, it all of a sudden makes the top of his cheeks look really fat. And I, 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 I don't even like looking at him. I, I don't. It makes me feel really weird for a bit. Have you explained this to him? Does he know this? I might have mentioned it, but not quite gone in with uh, that. It's it, it repels me. So instead, the thousands of people that download this podcast. Yeah, I don't know if he listens to it when I'm, I'm on. I'm sure he doesn't. No. <laughs> I'm sure he doesn't. Um, but yeah, we've both been away. You had a holiday. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, I forgive you. Is all I'm saying. I forgive you. No, I don't. I didn't do anything that needed. To I forgive, forgive you for pretending that your aeroplane was got cancelled <laughs> and that you couldn't make it back, and you had to have three more days in the south of France. Yeah, well, that's forgivable. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been away. Yeah, I. Um, this is the last holiday before the baby comes. That's right. Yeah. So we just went and had some time in. in so I'd imagine that's quite a stressful thing taking a pregnant lady abroad. It is a bit, yeah, because it was right after a certain amount of time you're not allowed to fly, and um, but she can only get time of work at a certain point, and mm. so we we were right up against that that limit. Um, and it is a little bit because it's, it's a six and a half hour flight and it's hot out there at the moment like it's really hot so yeah. we'd be out on the street and then all of a sudden she'd just be like right I'm going to faint <laughs> I'm going to faint so we'd just dive into somewhere that had air conditioning or just get a taxi and, and go home so, right, right. but it, it was cool and, and do you know what It's one of the wonderful parts about it is um, spending so much time with her I started to realise the perks of being pregnant right <laughs> There's no perks of being pregnant, surely. There's pain in the ass. There are, because... So, for many times, because obviously being a gentleman, I'm the kind of guy that when I'm on the tube or the train and there's an old person Mm. or a pregnant lady, I'll stand up and give them my my seat. And, And I found myself several times... Uh, during this trip, profiting from uh, f- from being with a pregnant woman. A mate of mine says this is his this is his philosophy or his mindset when he's on public transport. No badge, no seat. Doesn't matter who you are, because <laughs> <laughs> it's a minefield. It's a minefield when you go on there. Because you ask a lady of say fifty odd, and yeah. she might be insulted. What are you, are you saying? I look old. Yeah, you definitely. ask a, a lady who's carrying a little bit of extra weight, chubby, and you're chubby, <laughs> and and you're assuming that she's pregnant, but she's not. Yeah, and. 
and she may not be pregnant. Yeah. So it is a minefield. So I understand his mindset. Yeah. No, 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 no bad I mean, seat. Yeah, I, I get but that you, too. You got, some doors were unlocked. Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. So, so ties. Uh, I mean, you, she's pregnant. She's clearly pregnant. She's she's huge right now. She's, yeah. And and she's not like a heavy framed girl. Yeah. Um. So yeah. So it, it's clear. But so we we had a few things where we'd get on the I don't know the airport thing where you go from one terminal to the next, and all mm. of a sudden people would stand up, and I found myself in a seat as well, which was quite, <laughs> quite nice. And then we had we had a couple of problems with the hotel room, and the uh, and because of that. And because she was pregnant and we had to have maintenance coming in and out and then the air conditioning wouldn't work. All of a sudden we got, you know, we ended up finding, I'm like, look, mate, she's pregnant. Yeah. You know, like we need the air con, mate. <laughs> and so so we got, uh, and, and then we got like our, our entire like food bill wiped. Oh my God. Which is good because you tune a few hundred quid there, Flav. Yeah, and pregnant women eat a lot. <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, so we, we had all that wiped and, and then we got like an upgrade into a room. And, and in fact, do you know what? The guy even, uh, he gave us a, like a free car to the airport and dinner at a nice Michelin star restaurant as well. Oh. So we had all this stuff uh, thrown in and I'll be honest with you, I, I'm quite enjoying how it, this whole pregnancy game now. I often wonder how that might happen. So, so you are the sort of town. Anything sure can happen if anyone. Anything's knows. possible when you're the pregnant woman. The doors open. So if you're, <laughs> you're you're going to watch your your beloved Huddersfield town on the side of the, the pitch. mighty terriers. Yeah, and the, the forward isn't doing well. I don't know who the forward is, but not doing well. Yeah, Kajunga. Kajunga's he's on a barren yeah. spell. Narky Wells. What if you drink and she, you'd she open doors in that? What, so, so I'm just sitting there with Ty. I'm like, yeah. look, look, mate, she's pregnant, and then all of a sudden they're handing me the number nine shirt. Yeah. I'm not. I think that might be even possible, you know. <laughs> and, and I'd be like, lads, like, who am I? Who am I defending on corners? Like, and they'd be like. Don't worry, Matt. She's pregnant. Yeah. You just stay up top. We'll just just look for the long ball. Just connect on the long ball. Exactly. I think there's there's something in this. I might get me one of these pregnant women. Do it, mate. I tell you, you can have anything you want. I, I mean, what, what else? What other doors might it unlock? I need to probably, given that we're in a, I don't know, twelve weeks or whatever, we'll have a kid. Yeah. I probably need to get my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got to make. This. Has she been to Huddersfield? She's been to Huddersfield. She came to Huddersfield Walls with me. Is is it? It's probably not the best time to take a. a a large pregnant lady to, to a football no we need something local like to London way so I don't know maybe we could try and we'll go down in street and see if we can have a free cup of tea you know you get there the police be like sorry sir you can't go fast here I'll just be like step to the side sorry there you go she's pregnant mate she is pregnant before you know it the, the, the copper and uh, the PM's bringing us a cup of tea and yeah. giving us a selection of cake <laughs> Battenberg lemon drizzle please oh, I don't know I'm not, not, not a big fan of lemon drizzle well it's not your, your, your you're not pregnant I like but. banana bread alright we'll, we'll see what we can do we'll send one of the bobbies down to the shop for you so uh, maybe tile sort of maybe pregnant women could sort out some of the problems in football also because this podcast is about the about some of the issues in football and, and what the support Football Supporters Federation can do. So we Make start tie the head of the Football Supporters Federation, Federation for the yeah. next twelve weeks. Twenties plenty. <laughs> We're not talking about. Uh, it can't be about ice pops though, because she's got. You know, when they have these um, um, cravings. Yeah. Ice pops. Ice pops. Ice pops, mate. She, she'll. We, we'll go and walk the dog on a night, and she'll. She'll take five. Full length uh, <laughs> ice poles, ice pops, Mr. Freeze type scenario things like that. So, uh, yeah, she, as long as it's 20s plenty um, tickets rather than ice pops. ice poles, yeah, yeah. Uh, she'll do it, I think. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Right, I'm, I'm off to get me one of those babies um, after this podcast. I can borrow a tie. Really? Yeah. So what, I don't. What, I don't what do you want? What do you need? What well, do you need? I'd, I'd like the enjoyment of making the baby. I, I don't have to just get Mate, a pregnant that's, woman. That's, 
Because that's my woman, man. <laughs> I put a record, didn't mean Ty, I meant my own missus. Oh. Uh, but she's got two kids already, so um, I'm not sure she'd be up for it, but maybe when I explain... The, the uh, benefits, perks, the, the perks. Uh, on, for me, because I'm not sure how many of these pen- perks have actually helped tie you. No, that's true. But you've benefited, so that's the main thing. Exactly. All right. So, yeah. Enjoy the podcast. All right, I'll see you in a, <laughs> see you in a minute at the front post. <laughs> the Long Ball Street. Hello and welcome to the Long Ball Street Podcast. I'm back again and Matt's here. I'm back. Did you have a nice holiday? I did have a good holiday, yeah. Where did you go? I went to... Is that important? No. Okay. I, I want to know. <laughs> I went to Dubai. It's very hot. Yeah, it's like my, we're having a baby soon, basically, and we went for the hot, final, the baby moon. I think is what what she calls it, baby moon. That's yeah, nice. so we went, and it was great. But we've now at that stage where she can't do anything. Um, I don't know if she, yeah, she won't do anything. So we got back last Easy. night, and then Easy. I had to do all the, all the, uh, I had to, you know, tie unpack. everything up, unpack, get the dog sorted. So She's I feel, playing you. I know, that's what I think. <laughs> you can't all be... of a sudden, it's, oh, actually, I might just lie down. Can you, can you get me a cup of tea? Like that kind you of can't thing. say no, can you? No, you no. just got to go, yeah, fine. So you, Anything, darling. Do you just vent your frustrations through the medium of this podcast then? Is that how <laughs> I do, yeah, <laughs> I do. So yeah, so I'm back and, and actually I listened to the podcast last week. It was very enjoyable and I was worried about Stu taking my role. Yeah. Uh, but actually... I think that Amanda's a threat, isn't she? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. here she is again. I am. Amanda back for the second week in about. So good you want me twice. Yep, absolutely. Uh-huh. We, well, because we, we alluded to it last week. You're, Amanda, you work for the, the Fair Cop version, uh, sorry, section of, of the fight. I do, yes. I'm the case worker, yeah. the FSF. But I won't go there again because otherwise your listeners might switch off thinking, yeah. not her again. <laughs> no, but you're part of uh, Football Support yes, Federation. And we're also joined by David Rose, who's the Deputy Chief Executive. That's right. You're yeah. a Sunderland fan? I'm a Sunderland fan, yeah, which is brilliant. How are you it? holding up? Oh, it's great, yeah. It's, uh, we, we don't really count this part of the season. Sunderland, this is yeah, this is part of the course. We're all completely relaxed about it. Mm. Uh, we don't start playing until around about Christmas, so I'm not worried. So Spurs are in, <laughs> Spurs are in a, a weird position because we're, we're actually, this is our best start in 51 years. And, and we're, we're in an even more strange position. Did you oh, win again at the weekend? No, we got knocked off the top. Um, I'm a Huddersfield fan. Right. And we've been top of the championship, which is unusual. Mm. Um, but yeah, we lost. Um, and I managed to, to tune in and listen to it. So we, we were out having drinks at the Burj Al Arab, which is that kind of quite... Huge thing. Yeah, the um, the, the one that's like a sale. Uh, and um, yeah, I was kind of... Every now and again, she'd be doing something. So I was like listening to it on uh, on the radio via my app. And we had a man sent off early oh. against our bogey team. Well, one of our many bogey teams, about <laughs> 90 of them. Uh, but Reading. And we, yeah, we lost. And, and Norwich are top now, so I think it's over. Well, it, do, it doesn't matter who's top now because Newcastle, obviously, are going to win it. Um, if you speak to a Newcastle fan, yeah. they've already won and qualified for the Champions League again somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about the Football Supporters Federation um, and... The many roles of in, in football and, and uh, the good work that you guys do and, and maybe tackling some of the criticism you face as well. Um, Matt, you can say something. Well, I was just going to, uh, you know, Sunderland's, uh, I, I like Sunderland. I don't know why I've always kind of like, yeah. v- you've had a very, um, I used to like Roker, the whole Roker Raw yeah. thing. 
what what's it? What was the stadium move like for you? And do you kind of miss that? Because you obviously will have grown up watching football there. Yeah, yeah, you've obviously clocked me age, which I didn't think was as obvious. So thanks, <laughs> thanks for that. Um, but yeah, I, I started going out Rota Park uh, with my dad. First match was against Liverpool. I think it was 1984, 1985. Oh wow! And we got beat three 0 right. um, So that was a, you know, a good introduction. That That'll was a, re- a realistic the, introduction. The great Liverpool side was, of that that era. Yeah. Uh, I mean. Um, I shouldn't really say this, like, but uh, you know, most young kids will have a, a second team, um, and I did have a Liverpool strip with the crown paints and all that at the time yeah. as well. But I, the one with a little white pinstripes, the one, yeah, right? yeah, yeah it was great it was, kit, right? it's great. So yeah, so it was great to see like sort of Douglas and John Wall mm. and all them in the flesh, like it was amazing. And it's you know it's that first game that sticks with you when the old cliche of how it was a night match as well, so it's under the floodlights and how green the pitch looks, amazingly bright green and. And it's like you sort of fall in love from them when you first got your real mm. real experience, uh, uh, live experience. Mm. So, so yeah, I've been a fan ever since. And then the move to the Stadium of Light sort of brought a lot of fans' hearts when we left Rotor Park and sort of get tore down for lots of semi-detached houses. Uh, but it was good at first because it coincided, and that was very fortuitous looking back how it did, but it coincided with Peter Rees and with Quinn and Phillips. Yeah. For instance, so we, by our standards, that was a massively successful side so yeah good era um, wasn't it? it was a great era so so the sort of ascendancy we had then going into the new stadium um it, it was it was great and therefore we did fill it and then and they ended up extending it people forget i think they extended almost immediately uh, around the upper tier but it's a bit flat now but the atmosphere yeah um i mean there can be some amazing occasions towards the end of last season when we survived against uh against everton and chelsea uh, it was unbelievable it was as loud as I'd ever heard it since yeah. we moved in there but those occasions are few and far between um, and as football fans most of us know I mean Spurs have been a bit spoiled recently but um, you know a lot of games are fairly drab aren't they when you, yeah, uh, yeah. you know they're not all the, the, not the highlights of match of the day and, and all that. So, so it's pretty pretty well, miserable affair from, uh, and what the problem that we have now is you just at the stadium of light they put the away fans right up in the top of the south stand um, so you don't get that back and forth so yeah. you know when the game's crap which is a lot of the time then you need the fans bouncing off each other to, to create the atmosphere yeah a bit of rivalry yeah, yeah, a bit of lost. Kind of, yeah. it's, um, it's funny isn't it because like, so you've been. Is, am I right that you've gone you've bounced up and down a bit you've yo-yoed a little bit we, we yo-yoed uh, constantly um, in sort of my earlier time of supporting Sunderland but we've been in the Premier League now for 10 years right because it's one of those where, but but you've not really every year's been you've been in that bottom kind of half, haven't you? Yeah, we've been fighting relegation the last few seasons, and um, I, and does the atmosphere pick up when it gets to to boiling point and you kind of there's something at stake? It's yeah, I mean it it does, but that's partly because we're starting to get results. Yeah, <laughs> so there's something to shout about. Yeah, it's um, I think a lot of fans this season. It'll, it'll be a bit of a make or break season I think they're getting so sick of that constant toil I think I, I'd be getting really sick of it if it wasn't for now I take my son who's 10 goes mm. regularly and last season I think it was West Brom game where we won which sort of secured our safety and I was thinking well I've seen this time and time again I'm sick of it but there's a different <laughs> angle for me now because I'm seeing it through the eyes of my yeah. son and I remember walking back over the, the Weemouth Bridge and sort of holding his hand 
and just he was just jumping up and down and it was the first time I saw he's got it he's suddenly yeah. got the bug yeah. bugger. he's got a support yeah, yeah. Yeah. What but, done? Um, but you know you sort of like sounds a bit corny but you almost feel the generations coursing between you you know and you think about like <laughs> <laughs> it does take you back that first game and all that as well though, and, you, and it, it does sort of hit you yeah. and you feel like yeah you know, a man was crying, by the way. <laughs> it is the only time I ever feel maternal is going to really? football and seeing dads and lads because yeah. they're just their little faces full of excitement. And yeah. it's That's just the dads. I just, yeah. 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 I just think, oh, I want one, and then I get home. I think every like joy and the best moments I remember with my old man. I remember he's not; he's still around. But he's off uh, <laughs> he, he, around football. He was going going to say there's this, this flash points I remember from my childhood. Not even in the ground, but around it, waiting outside the pub, literally having been placed on. On the, on the doorstep outside the pub while my dad had a few beers inside and me and my brothers would sit around that old cliche about yeah, lemonade yeah. back at Christmas that's what we used to do but we used to love it yeah, um, yeah it's fantastic and, and what, you, what you mentioned about the, your first moment walking up those stairs seeing the turf under the floodlights it, it, everybody has that memory and it's the, as special for everyone else I think absolutely yeah absolutely incredible um, it's a shame about other sorts sorry about that Matt too it's bad right. you're Indian summer that's out there uh, it's over <laughs> for a little while I was starting to go hang on could we, stay hang on. Could we, 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 we can't uh, well last last weekend for us was devastating because it was 2-2 uh, in, the, in the 94th minute yeah. and we were 2-0 up That's right. so 3-2 down but the worst thing was I was due to collect a bet as well I'd had a 5 round 2-2 so it was like a double whammy yes. oh, kicking the teeth that's especially tough bad. it goes the other way I was due to get back about 100 quid several it, it, it does go the other way. Though. So a mate of mine who's um, who's a Leicester fan, and he just made this outrageous bet, um, fifty quid, a thousand to one on them to win the the league, mm. and he bet that like in October or something last year. So wow. he won fifty grand and won the league on the same <laughs> day. So he didn't is, cash in early then. No, he, he is he still alive? He, he, <laughs> <laughs> he laid. Um, well, he he put a bet on. Um, Tottenham and um, I forget who, who else maybe Arsenal at some point but only a little bit um, to win a few grand here and there so he but he uh, he ended up winning I think it's like 47 grand or something like that yeah, total. To him. unbelievable and winning the league it's oh. just like it's not fair I never thought I'd hate Leicester City I no. never do but I absolutely loathe them now yeah. I can't stand is any it, of them is the, the backlash started now on Leicester is the loving gone now and that's, well, it's officially a, a Leicester backlash now it yeah. ended for Flav to be honest uh, when, when, when you drew with Chelsea and they actually won the league because I think Flav although he was trying to play he was holding it down and going no we're not going to win the league give over inside he <laughs> was thinking really won we've won this we're going to do it we're going to eat them up they're going to bottle it he really did the minute I vocalised it it went to shit so <laughs> it's terrible anyway look the Football Supporters yeah. Federation what, what, for most football fans I've spoken to uh, I've been aware of you guys for a while but what is it that you do what is the Football Supporters Federation and why does it exist well the quickest and easiest way I find of describing it to people is it's a bit like a fans union if there was a union for football fans I think we the FSF would be it mm. um, we're democratically structured so we have a, an elected national council who, um, who meets sort of four or five times a year um, we have a sort of staff team as well though, to oversee, oversee sort of the activities but the, the crux of why we exist is to, to represent fans um, in, the, in the, the game as an industry um, uh, to the authorities within the game um, but also not just on a national level regionally as well um, so you know we'll help fans engage with the clubs and, and that sort of thing as well and, 
and then we have our flagship campaigns. Um, so ticket pricing is obviously a, a big one, mm. um, but then we also have safe standing, and then there's the policing and student aspect of it, and also some proactive work around diversity. Mm. So, what, uh, like Kick It Out and whatnot? Yeah, we work uh, in partnership with Kick It Out, but uh, we also have uh, Anwar Uden, who um, looks after the Fans for Diversity programme. Yeah. So, there's sort of a constant stream of events all around the country, and we've helped establish uh, fan groups, places um, um, like Bradford and more recently in Birmingham. Um, and there's a little pot of money there to help out to get flags produced and things so like that. So is that to help them what create atmosphere, to lobby their, their club? It, or what? it can be anything. Um, first and foremost, it's to, to establish and, and give confidence to minority groups to, to go to, to stadiums that might be largely full of, of uh, white working class male um, and it's to try to, to break down barriers to, to get um, BMA fans into grounds where I mean Bradford's a, a good example because um, you've got a large BMA community there BMA being black and minority yeah, yeah. Um, and you you don't put you, you never see many of those faces in the ground or, or you didn't mm. um, so the Bangla Bantams was uh, formed um, mm. with a bit of help from from Amor. And they've went from strength to strength and represent their local community, get people to the games uh, and realise it's, you know, I'm not saying it's perfect, a perfect world inside a football stadium, but it's maybe not as scary as they first thought it would be. Did they, uh, any, have they, I mean, how's, how's that gone for the Bangla Bantams? They, was there any opposition from... Not, they, no, I think they've been largely well, well with open arms. I mean, there, there was quite a bit of work. To be fair, at the club, I think they were they were doing quite a bit of work on like the coaching side, coaching mm. kids from the, the local area. Mm. Um, so yeah, you, you, you had sort of um, the kids who had this sort of contact with the club, but it was all about playing. And it was quite interesting because the first games they actually went to, uh, watching the game, they were like, well. This is not football. The, the ball's in the air too much. This is, <laughs> this is crap. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to League One. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, uh, Amanda. You, we didn't touch on this last week, but um, you, obviously you work on Flow Seventeen. Heard that you work on the kind of helping fans if they've been arrested or if they've some sort of grievance against the way they were treated during the match day. But why did you get involved in the Football Supporters Federation? How did your involvement come about? I fell into it. By accident, really. Um, <laughs> but there's a guy called Peter Caton who, a good 10 years ago, was running a safe standing campaign at West Ham called Stand Up, Sit Down. Mm. And I just bumped into him one day, started chatting, would you like me to help? He said, yes, please, that would be great. And then that's kind of mushroomed from there. And then I got um, involved with the FSF and then they said stand for National Council. Uh, which I did and then the odd trickle of complaints started coming through and then that trickle became a flow and the flow became a flood and then the role got too big for me to do as a volunteer which was recognised by um, our board and they decided to make it a full-time role but I had to interview for it just like everybody else and I got the job and here I am five years six years later. Wow how many how many um, members does the FSF have? Well, we've got, and, and how do you get word out there? Well, the, the, the way our membership works is there's individual members that we have, um, which is around about the fifty thousand mark, mm. um, and then we have um, two around about two hundred and seventy support organisations that are either affiliated or associated 
to the FSF. The only difference there is uh, the affiliates are democratically structured, mm. so it's things like supporter trusts, right. um, and then the affiliates could be anything from a supporters organisation that isn't democratically structured to things like uh, a fanzine, maybe, mm. uh, or um, it's becoming the case, maybe even like a popular Twitter account or something like that. Um, so collectively, when you add up the sort of membership of our members, mm. of those those club uh, different organisations at different clubs, I think you can calculate well over five hundred thousand uh, in terms of who we represent. Right. But I think we'd like to think we we represent beyond our membership as well. Mm. Um, but we do, you know, we're always calling for for fans to join up. It is yeah. free to join. Yeah. So I was just thinking, how, how many people um, go to games? What's the active sort of football? Uh, and I know obviously not everyone's got a season ticket, and yeah. some people like me because I, I can't go to all Huddersfield games. It's it's like a six-hour drive from from where I live. Um, that's just one way. Um, <laughs> but, but you know, like I, I've I've been up to one or two games, so I, I wouldn't yeah. show up as a season ticket holder. But I, I'll go to to games kind of when I can. Yeah. Well, do we know what the population is of people that actually you know consider themselves like match going fans in the UK? That's a good question. I think uh, on any given sort of weekend of fixtures, I think it's something like um, something like seven hundred and fifty thousand or yeah. something like that. Mm. Okay, it's a lot. And the tendencies yeah. are, are they up or down? Do you know? Uh, we'll try. <laughs> 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 this is a test. Just because it helps set up other questions. It's just, there is a spotlight sort of yeah. <laughs> big black leather chair. Dun, 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 dun. This is not me specialist. We want answers, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> Shining all light uh, in his face. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The, the trend has been over the past few years and certainly over the past 10 years or so for an increase in attendances. Yeah. Um, I think there the was a problem um, with away attendances and that's something that we did tap into with what has been probably our single most successful campaign, I think, in terms of the result we've, we, we achieved on it last season. So this is the 20s plenty yeah. campaign. Uh, so this was the call for, and it is the call for away ticket prices in the Premier League to be capped at £20 mm. um, and it initiated in the Premier League because of the huge high prices but also because of the huge amount of money in the Premier League so you thought well this is actually a winnable battle uh, it's the same call throughout the, the Football League though we, there's some ridiculous prices in the Championship yeah. even in League 1 and 2 well it's now it's more expensive it's more expensive to travel in the Championship than it is. It can be, yeah. So, so last season, for those that might not know, we um, we we won a what was effectively a two or three year campaign. Um, when I say won, we didn't get unfortunately the twenty pound, but uh, what we did get was a thirty pound price cap. So it's now it'll never cost anyone more than thirty quid now to go to an away game in the Premier League, mm. which is a massive, massive res- result when you think of what those prices were becoming. You were talking £60 plus for some fixtures, yeah. and on top of all your travel, your time off work, whatever. So it was, a, it was a great result and fair play for the clubs eventually getting together and agreeing well, that. The, the problem with that, having tiered pricing for away fans, is that the bigger teams are obviously classed as ca- Category A games. So if you say bigger teams, but you know if you're a Man United fan or an Arsenal fan... Um, you're going to be paying top wedge wherever you go. Whereas that was the case. That was the case. That's yeah. what I'm saying. It, it, it's not anymore. So I remember the first point where this, where I was kind of aware really of this issue was when South uh, Man City 
held up the banner and was that the was that the flashpoint? That was, that the, wasn't it? It was. That was the catalyst for it. Yeah, yeah. So, so if people don't know, there was a Man, Man City fan held up this banner. It was on a bedsheet, literally just sprayed, and it, and it just goes to show you where the kind of genesis of these ideas and campaigns can come from. That one fan decided to put some spray paint on a bedsheet, hold it up, the television cameras caught it. It got taken off him, I think, um, which kind of added fuel to the fire. Um, and then obviously, there's this idea that. The machine that football is can't be beaten, can't be can't can't be adapted. That the, the the will of the machine will always out. But actually, this guy, whoever it was, held this this um, bed sheet up. Started a revolution with it. Yeah. And what was it? Which one? Yeah. What did it say on it? You never said what was it that one. Six. Yeah. Uh, Sixty-two pound. Where will it stop? I don't. Is that, is that I, no, I don't think. I think it was about eighty quid on it, wasn't it? That was the. That, so that was, was definitely the image. Sixty-two. Where will it stop? I might be wrong. Eighty. Where will it stop? No, it was sixty. It was, was. I think it was sixty-two quid. Was yeah. It? Okay. Um, and, it, and I think what that shows is that um, there's, a, there's. I think people would accuse uh, potentially of, of, of English culture being a bit apathetic yeah. you know, within football and, and outside of football, um, and that you know you can't really ever achieve anything um, so what this this win last season shows is that if you if you push hard enough and you push the right buttons and you do it right and you know there's a combination of, of sensible conversations between the FSF and some uh, fan groups with the Premier League directly mm. there was conversations with fan groups and their clubs and then there was also protests to show the, the depth of feeling we had weekends of action where um, we did help fans produce more Banners and um, it was mentioned on on in, in the national media, global um, media and as well, global media, it? yeah, Twitter mm. and the like. And it, it really, the, the, it, there was pundits, there was commentators getting involved, and it just went beyond our normal spheres. And and, and it was drip, drip, drip. I mean, we we, we campaigned on this for two to three years. Um, we were told originally you'd never get a price cap because you wouldn't get that unilateral agreement to cap the prices. So um, when we eventually found out that they'd, they'd agreed to do that, it was a proper punch in the air moment, you know. Mm. But not just for the, the fact that it saves away fans 12 million a year, but because it shows that, you know, we can now say it isn't pointless. Yeah. You're not just banging your head against a brick wall. Get involved because you can make change happen. It was incredible. I was absolutely blown away when, when that happened and I was blown away by what Liverpool fans do yeah. did with the... Yeah. Um, Getting their club to listen to what to what they say, and that walkout was incredible. And I and I think actually Liverpool are one of the few clubs in England that would have been able to make that happen. But as an example of how fans can actually change football, and I was one of those. I genuinely thought that there's nothing we can do. You would never get the clubs to agree to cap prices. They're not interested. They don't have to be. How much of this battle is is a? I mean, how difficult is it the fact that you're dealing with individual companies? Essentially, football is a sport, but ultimately you're dealing with businesses. And when you're on their property, you're, yeah. you're hamstrung by what you how, what you can say, what you can hold up. The whole example would be a good one where you had got stewards chasing fans around the stadium because they've got holding banners up. Yeah, that that is difficult, and it's it's such a variation in, yeah. in from the, a club to club, from club to club in the Premier League, but also throughout the the football league because. You've also got to understand that clubs have got different demands on them as well, and there's there's you know different size clubs with mm. different different bank balances, um, and they, they've got their own challenges. So you've got to be realistic about what yeah. you're expecting them to do. Um, the the price cap thing was was really interesting because of that agreement, 
and um, there was some help from the Premier League themselves as well there they were they recognise that their product that they sell um, the TV money essentially uh, for, the, for to keep that tap turned on they need to make sure that the grounds are vibrant mm. um, we mentioned earlier about it, um, I think about Sunderland where you've got the away fans up out of the way yeah. and uh, the atmosphere that, that it, it can dampen the atmosphere and to have full vibrant grounds yeah. is a business case for that as well yeah, so, of, co- of course I mean th- this is the thing so I think that some clubs and I would class Liverpool as one of those clubs I think care about the fans and that there's a, a relationship whereby um, there's great proximity um, between them and, and I think that there's p- potentially more communication and, and uh, that, that, that's how I would perceive it anyway at Liverpool I think the way they look after some of their uh, former players the way that all the players kind of um, new players and old players have got that Reds Federation I forget what it's called whereby they make money for, for retired Liverpool players and stuff like that mm. um, there's the certain things that, that makes from where I'm standing Liverpool look like a club that's got that but by and large I would guess that most clubs actually don't really care about their fans a lot and actually what you're just saying there about um, them being conscious about look we want to have fans we want to have a packed stadium because it makes the product easier to sell and it looks better to people that are watching from around the world that it's a shame that that that's what makes them change or makes them think about it rather than actually that loyal you know, yeah. fan based and the, those foundations of shared kind of community. There's, there's, there's definitely good and bad practices out there, and there is, there is some clubs that don't talk to the fans enough, um, or don't care, or, or don't care, or, yeah. or talk take to, it for granted. I would say exactly, yeah. yeah or, or, or they'll, or they'll tick a box by saying, yeah, we have met with fans, but it'll be the fans that they choose to meet with. Yeah, um, you know, yes, people basically uh, that that can happen, and then there can be just no engagement at all. And um, we've got some examples of that where mm. uh, you've got Blackpool, uh, Blackburn more recently, and yeah. then you've got um, Charlton and the protest that's been occurring there. There's just not enough. Um, there's not not enough emphasis on just sitting down and not being worried about getting fans who might not be saying everything you want to hear. Yeah, just. It's it's good. I mean, it's business sense, isn't it? I mean, yeah. all the best companies will will do their market research. And that's effectively what we're. You, well, it's just like in any industry, people, um, especially nowadays, and people with social media, they're actually realizing that that communication is good because you can understand your audience, your your customers, you know, your community. You can have a two way interaction with them, and just by even if somebody says something negative, when you get blanked, that kind of you know, pisses yeah. you off more. But if at least if someone says, "Oh, look, sorry about that," then you're more inclined to get that um, um, delayed gratification. You think, "Well, they do care about me. They're not just taking me for granted." Yeah. Um, and I think that that's a in any business. I think people kind of survey and probably take a little bit more um, or, or put a little bit more value on that. However, in football, that there's quite so many different occasions where even when supporters are actually saying, "Look, we." We're, we're, I'm not a Chelsea fan, but I remember when Chelsea got rid of, uh, when they took on Rafa Benitez, and obviously Chelsea Liverpool completely hating each other, especially at that moment in time. Chelsea fans say, look, no, we don't want this, we don't want this, but yet they do make that appointment anyway, knowing that it's going to antagonise their fan base. In no other business would you do things that completely alienate people, but it's because in no other business are people it's like the rules of support is that you've got to be loyal no matter what yeah. it's a crazy industry really so it must yeah. be very difficult but still I I can't understand how people are still 
just looking for yes men like you say only engaging in people that are going to agree with you rather than trying to understand uh, you know those people that are really supposed to care seems to be two comparable things I would say to to, to religion and uh, sorry to football (laughs) in terms of business one is religion yeah in that you regardless of what happens or regardless of the information you get you're still going to follow your football club um, even if someone makes a logical explanation as to why you shouldn't do that yeah um, or why it's rubbish and the other one would be Apple where people are so they fawn over that brand yeah. so much so that regardless of the product they get put out, you, you're kind of. I actually watched this documentary about how people the the feelings that that, that Apple and football clubs and religion conjure in their brain are, the, are, are similar. Right. Yeah, they feel that way about them. Wow. Um, and if you're a businessman, you still got to do the right things. I think Daniel Levy at Spurs has done a brilliant job in towing the line between what is right and wrong, but also giving fans enough for us to stay on board and as it worked out as it has worked out we're, we're in a good position now but there's other others um, this is my own personal opinion that are West Ham for example who have really kind of just steamrolled ahead with this new stadium without really fully fully taking into account everything the the, the, out, the impact of, mm. of what that could have on the fan base and, and you've got the situation that they have now where there's lots of infighting and this, this Somebody said on a forum this morning there's not even the physical infighting anymore because that's how much the passion has just been sapped out it's of just them apathy now. since the move in five or six games, which is really yeah. quite terrifying, isn't yeah. it, when yeah. you think about it? Especially how, uh, you know, it's, it's a very loyal um, fan base and, and how they were at the end of last season and how great everybody was and, and how the form was. For, well, the, for it the, the, to the, decline the, so much is... is Horrible. I mean, the finish to last season must have been manna for heaven for Mm. the owners and Karen Brady because that's exactly what they wanted to Mm. help galvanise people to buy their tickets. And now we've had the start that we've had. Mm. I mean, the stadium was virtually empty yesterday at the final whistle, apart from Southampton fans who were taking great delight in singing We've Got More Fans Than You, which was true at that point of time. Mm. Um, it's, It's horrible what's happening there. Really, really horrible. And I think it's a classic case of almost being careful for what you wish for because all right obviously what's happening on the pitch is playing a huge part and you think to yourself well would it be different if we were top three Mm, yeah of course it would yeah Mm. but But, you need all of them but you need everything but even even if we were top three i think you know the the brilliant bobby moore turning the light off as the stadium closed at the last game of the season um I think that was it. You know, that was mm. more than just a metaphoric thing because the light has gone off on the old West Ham yeah. and there's a new West Ham. It's not comparable to what you were saying earlier with your move at yeah. Rugby Park. It won't be comparable with Spurs or Chelsea or any other club because we are now in a multi-purpose stadium. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Yeah. It's not West Ham Stadium, and they can put up all the claret and blue branding and the bubble yeah. machines... But it's not home, and I don't think it even will be home ten years. I'm going to ask quite line. a difficult question then, because obviously Football Supporters Federation, you can see why you get behind twenties plenty, and you can see why you get behind the kind of campaign against the B, the Premier League B, and, and whatnot. But what? How do you gauge what you do interfere with or get involved with, and and what you don't? Because West Ham fans, I think, have a, a legitimate argument to come to you guys and say. Look what's happened to our club. These these owners aren't fit to run. They've, 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 they've in my opinion, ripped the soul out of that football club. Um, and as I'm a Spurs fan, I take some delight in that, but not enough for me to realise that there's a greater evil here. Yeah. And I, as football fans, we suffer. Well, can we, they lobby? I mean, we would absolutely support West Ham fans, and we would hopefully be able, be able to help them galvanise and um, come together, and hopefully at some point meet with a club and. Um, it, we would be all over that and um, we have had some contact from West Ham fans to do just that um, taking it away from the West Ham situation um, how do we decide well it comes from what the, the demand is from our members and from football fans and uh, what comes in our inbox and what's on social media mm. um, and also what we'd like to think we'd bring to the table is a, is a bit of, um, sort of strategic thinking on how to do it what are the, what are the buttons to push um, the away fans as I said before that that was we thought always was a, a winnable battle because there was a, a problem with away attendances at that point in time and it was mm. launched um, not, not to mention the whole you know the moral argument of the, what the ticket prices are um, and, and so you know on that we, we looked at we looked at the, why do you support your team and we looked at this whole thing that you mentioned before about it's something that you're sort of almost born into um, you know it's a geographical thing or it's because your parents support that team mm. um, and we use that we use that a lot um, we said you know it's not like a supermarket you can't just pick and choose um, and just because you can exploit demand in something doesn't mean you should mm. and so we're, we're, we're putting something back onto the clubs about um, being, you know, looking after the community that they're existing, and that's mm. it's it's not like uh, an American sort of sports model where it's a franchise. It's it's actually from the roots up. It's something that's existed for yeah. hundred plus years that you shouldn't really mess with. And um, so so yeah, so the demand can come nationally on overarching things, but there could be uh, regional stuff like at West Ham. There was the whole city thing, you know, the whole Tigers yeah. thing. So coming back to the community thing, it's, it's an important aspect. The football that is heritage, um, and making sure that clubs retain their identity. But what it all comes down to, in, in almost every single situation, is just talk to fans. Don't cut them out when you're making your decisions. Speak to the fans at every juncture, and then you'll hopefully get to the right place. But from a from a football f- owner's perspective, why would I? Because well, they're a pain in the ass. 
fans. I don't want their opinion yeah. because they're you know they're going to get in the way. I want to change that because I think it's more marketable. I want to change talk- the shirt. I want to change the nickname. I'm the Huddersfield Town Terriers. That's not right. We need something a little bit more no. strong. We're going for the Bulldogs now. <laughs> and actually, we should be wearing black kits because it's more scary. You know, this is what they uh, when, when someone takes over a football club. What are the things in place that make them uh, accountable? Towards something that's sustainable, something that's kind of done with, with that, you know, with that heritage in mind, because it seems to appear that that anybody that's got cash can buy a club, and if they turn up and it looks like on paper they've got the right amount of money, they're almost allowed to do it, um, and then once they're in control, they can kind of do what they want with that asset. Yeah, there's um, well, one of the things that's coming from this season after there was a, an expert working group. Um, which um, FSF and Supporters Direct sat on uh, with various fans inputting into it as well this was through the whole of last season Um, and one of the recommendations there was that at a national level the Football League or the EFL as it is now um, must meet twice with uh, national fans groups twice a season Um, and at a club level clubs must meet twice with their supporters as well each Mm. season um, it's really up to fans as well, isn't it, to make those meetings meaningful because it's brilliant to have that there in black and white. You must meet with your supporters. Yeah. But unless those meetings are meaningful, then really it, yeah. it just just become a. It, it feels like box. it's fan washing some of these things fan, to that's me. That's great. I like that. Yeah. You know, you get green washing. It's people yeah. pretending yeah. that they they care about it. Right. It's like fan washing. I think a lot of this stuff is fan washing actually. Well, I think it's it's one of those where yes, I mean the. the it's got to be meaningful. It's got to, it's got to be a dialogue as well. It's got to be two way. It's not just the club gathering in a few fans and talking mm-hmm. at them. Um, and it's got to be the, the appropriate supporters group at each club. So it'll be the supporters trust plus other well organised fan groups yeah, at that yeah. club. They need to be at the table. Um, and it's the first time that clubs have been pushed or nudged into doing this. So we've got to welcome that. Uh, but we've yeah. got to make it work. So the fans, uh, man, is exactly right. The fans have got to demand these meetings. Um, and it's a lot of clubs this does already happen you know yeah. uh, there is a lot of clubs that engage well um, sorry but, but the, yeah the, the fans got to demand it and the, club, the club's got to treat it with the respect it deserves and, yeah, and get the right fans I out. can imagine clubs always going yeah cool we'll do that and then let's right let's set what's it's Clive busy let's send Clive along <laughs> and then Clive's just sitting there going yeah yeah well we'll speak you know rather than actually treating it but well, Clive's really good though <laughs> he is he's in accounts he knows you know. <laughs> so Clive from accounts but do, do you know what I mean yeah. and because and, and, I, I think you've got like a, a a nigh on impossible challenge and that's why I love the fact that you're taking it on I love the fact that there's people that are clearly passionate about it that are fighting this battle and, and trying to do it um, it, it, it's so, not so, impossible sometimes it can be a bit daunting can't it but I think that would be the same in any industry yeah. Yeah. but then going back to your original point why should a club talk to its fans well it's very simplistic it makes good business sense to mm. now whether you wrap that talking up into you know it could be a marketing exercise or the yeah. more cynical owners right we'll talk to the fans with a view of how we're going to get more money out of them yeah. or how we're going to sell more tickets you know we'll talk but, to the first 50 fans that buy buy the new away kit <laughs> the new third yeah. kit but, but ultimately you know it, f- football is a business a business wants to make yeah. money a business wants of to course. improve its brand but if clubs are clever and shrewd, they can do all of those things yeah. at the same time as having a good and decent relationship yeah. with their supporters because they and can't... create more loyalty in, in Absolutely, so, yeah. absolutely. I mean, there's only a handful of clubs, aren't there, that, that doesn't really have to care whose bums are on their seats. 
but for the vast majority of football clubs they want bums on seats yeah. and they want the repeat business because a loyal customer spends more money and all the rest of it yeah so it, it's just surprises me sometimes why clubs are scared of talking to their why they fans need convincing almost, and why yeah. they need convincing because yeah. they need to realize that that isn't necessarily a captive audience that they've got i mean you were saying earlier dave if, if sunderland repeat this season what they've done other seasons you're going to lose a lot of fans yeah. if west ham finish bottom half of the table how many of those lovely yeah. new season ticket holders are going to come back well, well let's look as well you know in the like when i started uh, going to watch football there weren't that many things to do on a Saturday, you know, it was kind of, as, as you grown up, there, there weren't that many things to do. Uh, you know, you look at the TV choices that you had 20 years ago, you had maybe four or five channels or something like that. Look at the amount of demands now that you can have. Mm. Like, people don't need to leave the house to be connected to the entire world. Right. So, I think for, for many years that, that was taken for granted because that was, you know, there were, there were only a few pubs in the town. You'd go and you'd have some beers and then you'd go to the match. It's just a, a part of that. But now we can kind of, I can get to Dubai. You know, we, these things weren't possible yeah. back 20 days ago. So, I think that. 20 days? Years. 20 years ago, sorry, I'm very tired, I'm not articulating well today at all. Um, but yeah, you know, 20 years ago, that these things weren't possible. So I think that that environment, it, people have taken that for granted, but you're right, they need to, 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 for the next 20 years, there's going to be a lot more opportunities for people to do other things. So they need to start to treat fans with a lot more. And, and, and there's a lot more um, there's a lot more football on TV now as well, isn't there? So yeah. you can get your fix that way. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of I don't know, you know, where where I come from, you, you do see a lot of illegal streams still in the pubs, so it's it's easy to watch any game uh, you want now, really. And they're streaming from home, mm. so they've got all of those challenges. And then there's Stranger Things box set. I mean, that's much more entertaining than watching. <laughs> Absolutely, the banging are you into that? By the way, yeah, people like, are saying I need uh, to be watching these. Do I need so to? So yeah, if you live through the eighties, you'll love it. It's, it touches all of the nostalgia buttons. Yeah, yeah. really, uh, yeah, it's a box set. It's it's just you can stream it. It's, uh, it's on Netflix, isn't it? It's, yeah. on, uh, it's, uh, it's amazing. So it's yeah, a box it's set called Box Set. No, no. no, 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 no. <laughs> Sorry, if I just Stranger although things. that is a great idea. Oh, that's, yeah, that's breaking the fourth wall. <laughs> that should, <laughs> should be. Let's do that. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, no, it's called Stranger Things. It's nothing to do with football, yeah. uh, but it's it's like a Spielberg Stephen King mashup. Sort yeah, of thing. Oh, mate, it's, it's, it's it is amazing, incredible. Definitely watch it. So, so there was this idea that. There was this idea uh, a while back that obviously game, three o'clock games should never be shown. Um, and I can understand it because you wanted to protect the sanctity of going to games on Saturday, but obviously the game changed so much. And I don't think TV really affects attendances that much. Do you think three o'clock games should be screened live now? No. No. I think the. What what you're conclusive? <laughs> I'd like Huddersfield games to be streamed live. No, I don't know. It's one of the weird things. Like, what's the size of the market? Like, that, that'd be interested in watching football. How many people go? I, I, I'm not sure anymore. I mean, for a long time, I would have thought that, but there's so much football that's on in so many different parts and times of the week. Um, you know, and it's like a lot of times you have lower league fixtures on a Tuesday and Wednesday night and there's these huge Champions League games on the telly that is more likely to affect the way that uh, the top end of the game is is marketed uh, the way it's almost made sexy do you know what I mean like what Real Madrid are playing Barcelona I have to see this you know mm. because I've been watching videos on Facebook all day that's making you know Messi and Ronaldo look like they're these incredible figures so you kind of I think that that's more likely to affect attendances than actually having a, a game on a Saturday at three you, you're right um, 
so you can you can take that and use that use that example, um, and you can say oh, it might not affect Premier League level attendances. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it could over time affect away attendances because all those choices you yeah. make to get an away game and the travelling. I'll watch it on the TV. Watch, if it's yeah. easy to watch it on the telly, so again that starts to yeah. take part on the atmosphere. Mm. But also if you look at um, you know non-league day, you're familiar with it yeah. uh, when yeah, there's yeah. a national break and you encourage fans of, of clubs at the higher level to who haven't got games to go and watch their local. Yeah. Now quite a few um, Premier League fans and, uh, will who don't travel away might go and see their local side uh, for their football fix that weekend. Um, I think if every game is on a three o'clock, you will see an erosion of attendances at the lower end, yeah. the grassroots level, and the national game. Mm. And I think that's really important. We've got a very special uh, situation in England uh, where you've got this multi-layered pyramid, um, and I think you've got to be very careful about the consequences at the top. I get you. I, I just think that the it's where the the money goes, though, isn't it? Because they keep extending right now we'll have Friday you know we have Monday nights right now we'll have these Friday nights and essentially they're doing it to create more revenue but that, that, that money's staying in the top of the game so if they were to do something like that on the proviso that, that the additional TV revenue that that would generate would actually filter down and not in fact do you know what not filter down but actually be given to mm-hmm. Supporters to be given towards this the long term sustainability of of smaller clubs. If 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 it could be done with that in mind or with that as the actual goal or the end game, then 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 why not? You know, if, if it would subsidise travel so that all away travel was free, mm-hmm. rather than they still had to go and pay their twenty five thirty quid that they do in the championship. Uh, certainly, there's uh, there's room to manoeuvre in terms of what is given back to fans. If you if you can mm-hmm. say that and. Uh, I think we worked out that the increase in the, the last TV deal, just the increase alone, mm. meant that they could actually pay fans to go to games and they wouldn't, the clubs wouldn't be any worse off. Mm. Yeah. Uh, so there's, there's, there's money slushing around that could be put to better use. Of course. Uh, and, and yeah, in, in terms of supporting low level football, we, would, uh, we, we advocate that. Uh, having said that, if, if, the, if the flip side is you still haven't got anyone going to those games and it's not much of a. Not much of a um, event anymore, is it? At, at the lower leagues, even if they're subsidised by other means, if you haven't got the fans there. Plus, you've got to imagine if you imagine a, a kid and a dad. The dad wants to take takes his son to Huddersfield Town, um, but he's seen Man United play at three o'clock, and he's got Man United on telly at three o'clock. And the old man wanting to go see Huddersfield, he's in like. Right, it's going to be hard to get the kid there. Yeah, you can see, I can see, you can see some of that. And actually, I think it's, from my perspective, it's a tough it's look, thing, yeah. looking a little bit kind of. Uh, like the Premier League or, or, or the big clubs in inverted commas are kind of sitting on their own and these issues don't affect anyone else. Coming on to the point where you do, the FSF do get some criticism that a lot of the focus seems to be on Premier League clubs rather than lower league clubs. Is that fair? Is that true? I think um, in sheer weight of numbers of fans there's obviously uh, more mm. than uh, match-going fans at the top of the game. You can see that through the attendances. So there's, there's a demand there. Um, recent high-profile campaigns... Uh, you, the 20s plenty the, yeah, I can see why that argument comes out that it's uh, Premier League centric um, but what we'd hope would happen there is that you'd, you'd sort of have a trickle down effect that once you start getting the uh, low prices in the Premier League then you've got to see pressure moving down into the, the silly prices you see in the Championship yeah. um, and so I think there's you know there's more to it than, than meets the eye there but um we we are a, you know we do lots of work with lots of um, supporter groups throughout the the football league, um, but we're, we're wanting to be more proactive in that. We've just appointed a, 
national game officer, uh, Andy Walsh. Um, so we're, we're just about to begin a lot of work, canvas and fans um, in, the, in the non-league structure to see you know what we can be doing more for those. Hmm. Um, we're actually working with the EFL as well on a um, it's it's a project, a long-term project to look after again away fans focused. Um, they have for seven years now the Football League have run a, a family excellence uh, initiative, which it's been about raising the bar so that clubs are um, looking after families and um, welcoming families and putting little different things on. It's all you know, it's very touchy feely sort of stuff, and mm. it's uh, getting the kids to meet the mascot and, and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but uh, but there there is a, a principle that they've they've got the buy-in from the clubs where they've all. And there's a lot of challenges in the football league. So if you've got different financial uh, statuses of each club, wildly different. Um, but what they've managed to do is create this this blueprint that it's led by innovation, really. So all the clubs can do different things, and they can win awards. The clubs for depending on how well they've tried family. So we're taking that blueprint and applying that to away fans. Yeah. Um, and so what I'm hopeful of is over the next couple of seasons we see a cultural shift in the football league where clubs are do doing that bit extra for fans now I would hope that that will ultimately be on ticket prices but what will certainly be is will be on the, the experience so mm. things like um, you know where they are on the ground mm. uh, the catering the welcome that they get the stewarding um, and things like you know we'd hope they'd stop charging for coaches for away fans like for parking and just little things like that mm. and basically putting a, an emphasis on welcoming fans rather than seeing them as a problem that they have to deal with yeah Fair enough. I mean, <clears throat> I think one one thing that, that unites all Spurs fans is uh, Spurs fans. Oh, I've got to stop doing it. <laughs> unites all football fans is, um, barring a, a minority for understandable reasons, but safe standing, something that everyone's massively introdu- uh, interested in. Obviously, we've seen what's gone on over in Germany. Uh, we often look at with, with jealousy uh, uh, how liberal their, their handling of supporters are and how important that they're considered within their game um, maybe three or four years ago we did uh, a survey at Spurs fans asking mm-hmm. them about safe standing I think it was in the 90s of the people that wanted it um, and of, the, of those that wouldn't even use it there was you know the vast majority was happy for other fans to sit there if they wanted to at that point I, I, I spoke to a lady called Sue Tilling at Spurs, safety officer there, very good at what she does, very lovely woman. But she was of the opinion at that time that it would be impossible in England until law changes, and I guess that's still the case, until law changes, um, clubs wouldn't even consider it. Tottenham, as it, as it turns out, have provisions for safe standing in their new, their new stadium now. Celtic, we've seen the introduction of Rouse seating up there, which is an amazing step forward. In non-league, there's, there's safe standing there. I think FC United have a have a um, FC United have a uh, a, um, a row seat in section as well. Yeah. So um, it's just um, major steps have, have taken place, and you guys have been working with the Safe Standing Roadshow, John Darch over there. That's right. Um, so where are we with that? Um, yeah, uh, there has been progress of sorts, definitely, um, and the the mood seems to have changed. Um, around safe standards, a conversation that we find easier to have with clubs and with the authorities than we used to. The door, if not open, is definitely ajar. And I, I think um, 
I would hope that in the next few years we we see it introduced in, into the top top two tiers of English football. Mm. Um, <coughs> the Celtic thing helps us massively, and the the eyes of the the Premier League certainly is is on how that's going. How, this how is it going with them so far? Well, isn't it really well? Yeah, yeah. Um, no incidents, nothing the, like that. Not not that we're aware of, and the atmosphere generator is brilliant. Um, they've had the first old firm game, and yeah. that seems to have went. Well, I think the, the, there was a few uh, toilets smashed up by Rangers fans and stuff. But yeah, on, on the standing section, yeah, it seems seems fine. In fact, you could argue that uh, standing for the away fans there would be, would be good because they wouldn't be able to rip the seats out. Yeah. But um, <laughs> so so all sorts of advantages. <laughs> um, but that's not our major selling point, is not, it? So it's not, <laughs> no, 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 that's not the tagline of the campaign. Save thousands on seats. Um, so, so, so yeah, it is. It is going really, really well. And, and uh, a couple of years ago, the football league um, voted and agreed to lobby the government um, on the issue as well. Um, and of course, you have this crazy situation where, depending on the the level of football you're playing, is it dictates whether you can stand to watch it or not, which is just crackers. And the big thing for me, I mean, there's lots of different reasons for safe standing and choices is the, probably the main one because you, you have situations now where fans are standing in seated areas. Yeah. Um, it, it's, clubs have done quite a good job in um, unofficially agreeing sort of singing sections in inverted commas and, and that seems to work quite well. Mm. Um, but it's just so, it's just crazy not to have a, a designated standing area. And for, for, for me, it's about the atmosphere again. It's about bringing back um, that sort of raw atmosphere to the, to the ground and, yeah. and getting it going because it, it is it, it is flattening a lot of grounds. Oh, uh, it's, it's massive. I mean, it's been a massive bugbear in mind for for a long time. I, I, I was and you guys would be in the same situation as that. You know, I lived and, and went to football when I was very young at a time when it was really loud and really passionate and and intimidating at times and 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 kind of there was a buzz about it that's very different from. From, from anything else I experienced in society, you know. Yeah. But now, I, I, to be honest, I couldn't tell you much difference between going to the theatre and going to, to watch a football match now. I mean, a game, uh, so, so Spurs play Norwich, you know, there's no there's no animosity between the two clubs. It's just this just theatre you're watching on the pitch, and, and yeah. it's, it's very sad. It's it's the game's got to be a, it's got to be a, a cracking game to get things going, hasn't it? And yeah, so, or a bit of hatred. Yeah, or a bit of yeah, a bit of hatred's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so it's, you've got a it's your derby games, and then there's like a, your four three game or whatever, and you'll you'll have everyone on their feet then. Mm. Um, and yeah, I think I think a way around that. You, you mentioned Germany before, and they will generate the atmosphere. I mean, you don't want like false sort of choreographed no, no. Uh, things, but you, you just just that. By like-minded people being together in the ground rather than that's, spread all over the place, mm. that that's the first thing, and then by having the away fans in the right part of the ground so that they can bounce off each other, mm. um, I think that would go a long way to, to solving the the atmosphere issue. Yeah, absolutely. I remember, um, I remember when um, when Huddersfield was at uh, our old stadium was Leeds Road, and that was um, seating maybe in one stand, and then the re- in, maybe yeah, seating in one stand and then it was kind of standing everywhere else. And what you used to get is that beautiful thing which we actually got when we went to watch uh, uh, Dulwich yeah, yeah. play. Is is the whole thing... That th- thanks, Kathy. Um, is the whole thing that 
you, when your team's playing one way, you're at this end, and then you walk to the other end of the stadium mm. to kind of, you know, because your team's attacking that end now. Um, that kind of stuff, it, it, that helps atmosphere, you know? Yeah. And, and people have the choices then, don't they, to go... It, it, the culture within an area sort of emerges and people kind of, those that want to get, it's like at a concert, if you want to be, I hesitate to use the word mosh pit, but if you want to be up front and be where it's a little bit lively, you can be, but then if you actually want to stand back with a different view and and just gently sway, like Flav does whenever he goes to a concert, then then, then that's your choice as well. And and that's the thing, so I remember it was kind of all done in the name of safety, um, you know, which... It, it, It was safety, sorry to jump in there, but plans were on the cards pre-Hillsborough really yeah wow for, for because of obviously it was an ugly time wasn't it back then yeah. and the stadiums were shitholes and fans were treated appallingly and yeah. there was violence um, but yeah um, the idea was that to counter all of that make stadiums all seater right and before Hillsborough it, so yeah. interesting okay which I mean it's all there if you're sad enough to read Hansard which I'm <laughs> sure not many people are but yeah so when Hillsborough happened it's, it was almost it sounds of, horrible to say it, doesn't it? But I'm not surp- unsurprising. It helped, not it, unsurprising it happened, agenda. but yeah, it did. But ultimately, as we now know with the benefit of hindsight, terraces had absolutely nothing to do with it. But yeah. I think a lot of people would have told you that in the immediate aftermath. Yeah, you know, it, it wasn't the infrastructure; it was the condition of the infrastructure, yeah. and more importantly, how. It, fans were managed or not as this this t- takes us quite nicely onto the, the, the position of spirit of shankly because this is quite a a, a I want to t- talk about it being an attack on sovereign consciousness but it's fine go on fly off you go well that, that sometimes when <laughs> I you, want to hear more about that <laughs> I, I know let me let me do this and then we'll do that yeah, bit no, it's gone. No, no, <laughs> I don't even know what that means so I, I'm, I'm gonna definitely also it's built up really yeah. well now so I, uh, I, scored, I, I, it's just <laughs> I, I, the spirit of shankly and, and Liverpool uh, fan groups are in a difficult position because of what happened at, uh, at Hillsborough, and uh, yeah. they um, they're, they're, they're taking consultation on whether or not they should take a position either way uh, on the safe standing argument. Yeah, which doesn't sound that sounds quite wishy washy to someone who doesn't understand. But the fact is, that's a massive step forward and that, a very difficult thing to do. It's a, it's a huge thing, and. Uh, it's um, sort of hesitant to say it's a mark of progression because yeah. I think you've just got to you know let let those fans decide what they want to decide and and I think uh, it would be I think helpful to the campaign if it's, a, it's if it's a positive feedback from our point of view. Um, but having said that, outside of that circle at, at, at Liverpool, mm-hmm. I think there's there's enough of an appetite to maybe um, get things going at some other clubs and um, hopefully. I think once we get one club to really put the, the heads above the parapet and go mm. for it, I think there'll be a bit of a domino effect. Yeah. Um, and I think we, you know, we'll see a lot more coming forward and behind the scenes we're working hard on that with the clubs. It's not stuff we can be mm. public about, but uh, we have um, reasons to be optimistic as well outside of the Liverpool thing. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I get it. I agree with you as well. The word progression is the wrong one, uh, but it's difficult to find the right word, isn't it? But um, it, I guess it's the fact that the discussions have been happening and nothing conclusive can ever come from a, a complete closed shop and, and, and dialogue and discussion is always a good thing. And I think no, even advocates of safe standing would be completely respectful of whatever decision. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But... Um, I just think it's uh, it's good good that people are talking and, and, and 
and, and perhaps something hugely um, positive can come out of it. I think with Liverpool, I mean, lots of supporters, but they obviously do stand on the cop, and lots and lots of Liverpool fans have been pro-standing for some time. You know, even people who were at Hillsborough or who lost loved ones at Hillsborough. But I think the position of not having a position is more out of a respect to the Hillsborough families yeah, yeah. that, that campaigned for yeah, it. I completely and, understand Yeah, that, and, and those families really see all Seater Stadia as a legacy to mm. the children and their fathers and the sons and the daughters that they lost. So, I mean, God, it's, I'm very glad that I don't have to be part of that conversation yeah. because it's impossibly difficult. Mm. Yeah. But clearly now, you know, that we've had the inquest out of the way, the fight isn't over. Mm. But the timing has always had to be right to even begin, to yeah. even begin yeah. and yeah. fair enough. All right. Um, what, I, what I have done though out of this conversation is make a note that I think our next big campaign is to have a gentle swing section. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's never. Uh, <laughs> Flav will be at the front. <laughs> Tell me where and when. I'm, I'm there. There's nothing wrong with a gentle swing. Ultra light. Yeah. <laughs> I have no idea where this is coming from. <laughs> We call it the cold place. (laughs) (laughs) I do remember actually standing on the uh, the cop in when they played Celtic in the um, Champions League or UEFA. I forget. Steve McManaman scored in the first. It was a two-legged affair. Anyway, I went there. It must have been early, maybe late nineties. A mate of mine was a Liverpool fan, and we went to watch his team play. And um, I remember standing on the cop, chanting "No seats." No seats, uh, and everyone stood up doing that same thing as well. But it'd be yeah, interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get it all games now. Everywhere you go is um, there's ultimately people are standing, and then there's these poor people that are behind that kind of you know you you might want to sit down. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, yeah. The mix between yeah, those. Also, it, obviously, it, my, my dad it, needs a it, his hip replacement. Exactly. He needs he needs to sit, but he refuses yeah. to, and he wants to stand. But that's. Well, should, should be back on I think clubs have done done quite well in in um, for those where they've got home fans that want to stand and they've it's took a little while and there's been a little bit of pain sort of with having to shuffle people around. But yeah. the, the, the you know hats off to them for that. The away ends is interesting because most away fans stand throughout the game. Of course. Um, but again, clubs it's difficult because they can't officially do this, but some will try to sell the tickets to the you know there's obviously regular. Travelling fans and yeah. even those that fans that organise coaches and stuff, and they say, "Well, look, we we'll put all yous together, yeah. and yous, we know yeah. you stand." So common sense, rather than absolutely yeah. common, yeah. common sense. What kind of experience play West, yeah. yeah, West Ham and, and Chelsea and Arsenal. I don't know what the club's position is, but I would imagine from what my experience is that on those games, the stewards are a little bit less aggressive about it than than others. Um, I, I don't know if that's 100% the truth but I'd imagine I think it is broadly I mean with all the problems sorry coming back to West Ham but all the problems there we're standing yeah, are where we on? are five years ago so what's going on there at the moment is it because they don't own the stadium do you know the reason or do you not want to go into it I think it's broadly because why are they being forced it's multi-reasoned um, customer care um, when fans transferred, um, I think a lot will tell you that they were given a nod and a wink that they would be able to continue to stand, mm. which officially is, of course, right. denied. Um, so you've got lots of fans together that weren't together before, some sitters, some standing. Yeah. Admittedly, some people are being completely blurred. Bl- I can't say it. Thank you about it. And, you know, just being bolshy and not sitting down when asked. But I don't actually. It, it, it clearly can't be safety 
so I'm not entirely sure what the absolute reasons are um, but credit to the club they have said that they are moving like-minded fans together now so they are dealing with it but the stewards were still there with their clipboards yesterday writing down seat numbers Okay, where does the where's the future lie for fan organisations like the Football Supporters Federation and others? Yeah. I I think we're in as good a place as we've ever been. Um, on the back of um, banging on about it, but the ticket price win was huge. Um, there's also been other things like we we managed to get um, extra FA Cup final tickets for actual fans rather than neutrals. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, last season. Um, I think it was an extra. Can you remember how many it was? An extra three thousand or so. Yeah, um, that's pretty good. Who so was in the final again for the FA Cup? Man United and Palace. Palace. Right. Yeah. And it was on the back of fan groups getting together, writing a letter to the FA, and we have um, a seat on the FA Council, so yeah. we were able to sort of fight that battle at the FA level. And they turned around and said, "You're absolutely right. It's not as many as we would have liked, but again, mm. it's moving in the right direction." So. So again, just another example of why I think that the the um, fan organisations and the networks around that are, are in a really healthy place, and um, you still have to deal with the the enemy that is apathy. But I think um, more and more fans are starting to realise that the the kind of a voice in that it's worth doing. Because you see on message boards all the time saying, "Yeah, I'll sign the petition, but it's not going to get anywhere." Yeah. And all of that. Yeah, but this is the thing, isn't it? It, it is. Uh, I don't know if it's apathy because apathy is kind of like you, you you don't care in a way. Mm. Yeah, I think it's more about that. It's like it's a proletariat thing. It's yeah. a case of for, for years and years and years, the the masses have been. Um, drugged almost and certainly in a state of mind where you don't believe that you can make a change anymore like people just don't believe it's like well what's the point whereas actually you know the advent of social media uh, other macro uh, trends like um, uh, with technology have allowed people to organise not just around uh, the regions or or their their, their immediate kind of area but around ideas and around beliefs so so now the opportunity for change is, is greater and I think that this is something that we're in the midst of, of, of quite a lot of change uh, in the world, and certainly with fans, it's you know crying out loud that we've got the power. There's that many of us now that buy these shirts, that pay for these subscriptions, that buy these newspapers, that do all these things that that, that the elite and the money and that trickle of money want us to do. But actually, now we've 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 got this this power and the ability to organise behind these ideas. So actually. Um, it, it doesn't surprise me that they're giving up certain little bits and pieces but we've kind of got to go for, for the lot now and actually get people to realise that they can join they can participate they can be a part of a rising tide that can lift all boats absolutely and that tide is turning and I think yeah. um, and I think it's it's at collectively at a national level for reasons like the FA Cup final tickets but then it's what's really important is uh, each set of fans at each club get organised get together and to put the pressure on the clubs because the club hold the key to a lot of these changes. Mm. You mentioned before they're all their own business, and, and yes, they, they are. They're each, each of them are a business and make their own decisions, have their own personalities because of whoever haven't, happens to own them that week. And I think um, <laughs> that, that <laughs> and it's up to the fans to keep that pressure on. <laughs> and and they, they need to, to uh, just to, to look for that engagement with the club, keep the pressure on the club, uh, and make sure the club are making the right decisions for their fans. 
Okay, I think that's a brilliant way to end. Um, how, if someone has an idea or has a complaint or wants to mobilise or wants to know who the trusts are at their club, is this, uh, the Football Supporters Federation a good organisation to get involved in that respect? How do they get involved? Yeah, uh, email the office. It's uh, info at fsf.org.uk. Yep, Twitter is at the FSF. Yes, it at? it's at uh, the, the underscore, underscore FSF, uh, and then they can do a good old-fashioned telephone call, uh, which is double three o double four treble o double four, and uh, a human being will answer that and talk to you. You are out of your mind. No way. <laughs> human beings. That is, I've got to run the ring of just to check. Yeah. Who is this person on the other? It's Clive. Clive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we'll have all this information in the description to to the podcast and a quick again shout out to Fair Cop I could never remember it's FSF underscore Fair Cop it is yes Uh, so if you have any issues on the match day experience I know it's a word we hate but it's a great way to sum up tweet me phone me email me text me WhatsApp me Amanda's waiting it's it's Amanda's podcast now isn't it as well it's like can we come back next week Amanda do you you mind having us on or you want to switch it up thank you very much as long as Clive can come too Matt it's I jest it has been nice to have you back it's been two weeks we haven't done a podcast together and uh, I've missed you Uh, I've missed you too it's very tender thanks Clive good alright that's it for another week Um, we've got Leon McKenzie on Tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, but um, when this, you know, that might come out next week. It's coming out soon. Soon, yeah. Yeah, and that's going to be fascinating. That's right, yeah. Got a big fight coming up soon. Yep. Guess who else we got? Who else? Danny Gabadon. No way. Yep. Gabs. I assume Gab- Gabs is Gabs. Is that, that's what we talk, that's how we yeah. refer to each other now. Gabs nice. and Flav. Uh, anyway, <laughs> plenty of other bits and pieces and, and big profile names coming up and different bits and pieces around, around the game, Football Supporters Federation, lawyers, Go back and listen to our back catalogue of, of our podcast because there's loads and loads of good stuff. Loads. Matt? See you in far post. See you, mate. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colours, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinarian developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.